thankful. And we are. So thank you, everyone, for your grace to look at a blank screen. It's kind of interesting to actually listen to what you're singing sometimes. It's a weird, I don't know if you multitask well, but sometimes when you sing and listen, it's hard to listen and sing. Um, but we're going to continue to forge on here. Thank you, uh, Mario and Ann. It's good to worship the Lord. We had such an incredible time of worship and praise on Wednesday night. Such a breakthrough of, of just praise. Sometimes you get caught up with what the devil is doing, what the enemy is doing, whatever, the political climate, all of the junk, and it robs you of the very essence of the relationship with Christ fixed on him. Wouldn't the enemy just loves when you pray about what he's doing? Oh, he's like, yes, love it. Look what the devil's doing. What's God doing? I've said this before. Jesus did not go up and pray all night to find out what Satan was doing. He prayed all night with the Father to find out what the Father's doing. We all know what the devil's going to do. He's always done it for the last thousands of years. I don't know why it still surprises us what hu humans do, what sinners do. What is that? Sinners are going to sin. What is that? Haters are going to hate or something? Sinners are going to sin. Why does that surprise you? You know, Jesus was not caught off guard, but it was in man, for he knew what was in man. But it's interesting when Satan came and tempted him, it says he couldn't find anything in him, no hooks, nothing to hook on to. And he left him for another time. And so I just encourage you as we step into this, I'm not going to have naturally overheads, and I'll try and manage how quickly I read through the scriptures. But let's just trust the Lord here on the topic of submission, and particularly in family relationships. A lot of misunderstandings around it and a lot of um, challenges around it. And last week was my preamble and part A to this part B to try and convince you as a Christian that the place of authority and power is in submission. Now, you may know that doctrinally, but do you live it? It's great that you know it. The demons believe that God is one and tremble, but it doesn't help them. Knowledge is one thing, but the acquisition and application of it is the critical component. So let's just open in prayer before we get in. Thank you, Lord. We honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all those who believe. We declare the sufficiency, the supremacy, the lordship, the kingship, the enthroned nature of God, the throne room. To that we bow. We say, Lord, you speak. We need you to speak in the time that your voice would, would drown out all the noise of the world. That we would hear your voice above all other voices. We just want to submit. We want to tap. We want to run up the white flag. We've made such a mess, it's time to quit. It's time to start over. It's time to be born again. It's time to come to him again and get on your knees. So, Lord, we do that and say, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Marriage is an institution, a relationship established by God. That is my starting premise. It's not a cultural idea that originated with humans. It comes from God. And because it comes from God, there are directives given by God. Any established objective from God has God's initiative and thoughts behind it and the ways in which it should act 
and move. Even Noah's Ark, there were clear instructions given on Noah's Ark. Even the temple, the earthly tabernacle, there was clear instructions given by God. The church has clear instructions. You don't get to choose willy-nilly, do your little reno. No, this is God's deal. There's naturally color within it, color with culture, color with different various peoples and personalities that are allowed to flourish in it. But the standard, the, 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 the framework is, it's not my gig, it's his. As smart as I may think I am, I have no right to touch that which is from above. A little fear of God is a good thing in leadership. Amen? So marriages of God, where do you get that? Well, I'm going to give you Matthew 19, 4 to 6, and it's Jesus speaking here. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a quote from Genesis chapter 2. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. To me, this expresses God's design and intention between men and women in marriage. God is the designer, as in such is the authority on how the husbands and wives should work together. And there is scripture given us to understand this more. It makes sense that God's word is the ultimate authority when we want to talk about marriage. There's many good marriage books out there, but they're no good if they don't quote the book. So the book is the, 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 the ultimate authority, the word of God. I mean, for example, back in the day 20 years ago, if I had a problem with my Apple computer and I had two options, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, which do I go to? If I have a problem with my Windows, and there's Windows 95, who, who doesn't forget that? Do I go to Steve Jobs or would I go to Bill Gates? Which one would you think would be a better option? Well, which one designed it? Who designed it? See, the creator of the ecosystem, God, understands the, the designs and needs of the ecosystem better than anyone. He's the one we go to. Amen? Amen, man? Amen, brother? Amen, amen. So we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5. I just want you to listen to what I to the full message here before you draw for the gun. You start switching. You start shutting down. You start manifesting in any way, shape, or form. We okay? The world says, you know when you want to shut a door because you're talking? So I'm just going to shut the door to the world. All right. Let's just talk. Ephesians chapter 5, 22. Onward here. Wives, subject yourselves to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the, with the word. We're going to continue on, but I just wanted to stop there. Now, as many of you are aware, this is a fairly controversial passage, right? I, I, I want you to know that I have spent a lot of time in this passage and in ultimately multiple perspectives on it. 
I've probably spent 15 to 20 hours listening to all perspectives. Because like I say, i got no skin in the game. I just want the truth. I don't care if it offends me. I'm not a person who, who vets truth on whether it offends me or not. In fact, if you've never been offended by God, I don't know how mature you are. Maybe every time God offends you, you run. But you've got to understand when he's, when he's cleaning you up and sanctifying you, you're becoming more like him. He's not becoming more like you. That's idolatry, right? When God becomes more like us, that's, what idol- that's idolatry. But he's not an idolater, and nor are we. So we're becoming more like Christ. So that means things have to change. We have to be challenged on the way we think. Our backgrounds, everything that formulates why you think the w- and act the way you do is from your past. And so there's a challenge. And I have listened to it. I have no problem. I, I want everyone to know that I, I did not just run through what I've always known. I have listened, and I, I've sought. And we could talk about that in the food court, because I don't got time to talk about every perspective on this. I'm just going to move forward with what I believe is the biblical perspective and trust that uh, we can work this out together. Amen? Amen. That owl. Statement. A husband and wife have the same intrinsic value before God. In fact, there's neither male nor female in Christ. There's neither slave nor free. It's, It's all one and one. We all have the same intrinsic value, but they are called to different roles when it comes to headship and submission, each having importance in God's design for marriage. And often as common for us as humans is we think it's just all about us, but I want to, I trust that in Ephesians here, it will unpack that this has got actually much to do with the reflection of Christ in the church. It's a big deal, marriage to God. But I have pondered why there is so much friction over this topic. So much conflict in the church. I mean, I, I, I get the world. The world, I don't expect the world to accept much of the scripture. In fact, today, this day and age, I can almost look to what the world thinks on a topic and just take the juxtaposition and know that's probably the truth. But seriously, they make a statement, it's probably the opposite. And I know it may seem an uh, extreme statement, but it, it seems to be quite true. I mean, if I'm, if I'm thirsty, I, I don't go to the sewer to get a glass of water. I mean, what, did you, what do we expect, Right? But in the church, there is a lot of resistance. And I think there has been, and I just, a lot of abuse around this topic. And I think that's where it really starts the resistance in us. And I do think there is a lot of really bad examples. And that's not just limited to marriage abuse. In authorities in general. When's the last time you had a really good boss? Or like a really good government official. Or a really good president or prime minister or what have you. We don't have great examples. And that's where it becomes an emotional heart thing. Where we start to stray a bit from the word of God. Maybe it's pride in you. I ain't submitting. You know that little kid, two years old. Johnny, do this. I won't. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Power struggle. It's in our culture that it's always better to lead than follow. You know that. I remember, I used to, when I was so insecure, I remember a brother used to say, man, when you work out in the gym, you look like you're going to kill someone. And that was my most insecure. In fact, when I was the most bravado, you know, lats or somewhere there, was that my most insecure, my, my greatest weakness. But I, because in, in our culture, that's what strength is. Not so in the kingdom. 
His power is made perfect in strength, weakness, strength, weakness. And you see it over and over again. It's a natural inclination to veer away from God's commands to us. I don't think men really want to lead in their natural sense. I ain't into it. And believe me, you're going to be challenged <laughs> when we really dig into it. And I don't think women want to submit in our natural disposition, in our natural beings. I do think there's misunderstanding around spiritual leadership because we have seen so much abuse. Does that mean we just chuck it out and we're going to go our own way, Lord? Does it work? I lived this in my life as a kid. My father, I grew up, my dad was a preacher. He came home, he beat the kids. Didn't provide for us. Used scripture to manipulate and abuse my mother. And even when we finally had to leave dad, she would still, he would still try to use scripture to get in her head. And because my mother had a very strange father, she was perfectly set up for an abusive husband. And you see it. This, I don't have a lot of time for men that are abusive, I've got to be honest. Because I lived it. One more thought is before we get into the passage. And I believe this about any scripture that you struggle with. You're like, what did that just say? Particularly your Old Testament, you might struggle there. We just got to trust God. You got to trust what you do know versus what you don't know. What do you know about God? That he loved the world, that he sent his only son, that he pursued you, that he cares for you, that while you're yet a hostile sinner against him, he died for you, that he led you, that his goodness led you to repentance, that even though all through all the weirdness that even my own childhood with church, I'm still here and I'm well saved, not because of the religion I might have learned, but because of his faithfulness to me, the reality of Christ in my life. That's what I cling to. So when I come to passages of Scripture that are a bit like, hmm, I still trust his character, I trust who he is. He is a freer, not an oppressor. He comes to set people free. That's not, the word does not contradict that. And if our interpretation of the word contradicts that, you've misinterpreted it, clearly. I remember that with the gifts. I was a hardcore Calvinist who had no time for spiritual gifts, and charismatics got to be the most annoying people to me, particularly when they go on about tongues. And I remember God challenging me on that. He goes, even if every tongue was abused and it was all in the flesh, it does not negate the gift of tongues. In other words, I am seeing what a human is doing and judging God on it and thinking I'll be fine on the final day instead of pursuing the truth myself. Right? Though none go with me, still I will fall. Get used to standing. Get used to standing and owning it, owning what you believe. So we trust God. We trust his character as we look at these things. Good. At least get the sound effects. <laughs> I feel so bad for you because it's so much quicker. Um, Ephesians, we're just going to jump back in here. Just focusing in on the wives here. Wives, subject yourselves to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their um, husbands in everything. It's pretty clear. Wives submitting as to the Lord. 
You'll note that's not the place of the husband to tell his wife to submit. My dad, my dad used to hear him. You don't hear that. This is a choice for either. Either side, there's a choosing. Paul indicates that there is a spiritual authority in the husband to lead the household that is from God. That's why it says, as unto the Lord. Remember, we talked about delegated authority. He speaks of headship being a mantle upon the husband in the relationship. No one would deny that Christ is the head of the church. And that's where he takes it to. So too, the husband is the head of the wife. And as a result, is a spiritual acknowledgement and submission necessary, by the way. I'm still good. This, this, this uh, truth is not just found in Ephesians. It's found in Colossians. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's found in 1 Timothy. It's found in Titus. This, this order. Okay. And you will see that the instructions given to the wife in the passage we're going to look is just two. It's submit and it will be respect. And then he turns to the man or the husband here. And in this passage we've just read, he talks about the headship. In the original language, this is, is an expression of authority. And there was a big, there's a ton of debating around, obviously, the, the origins of these. And I'd be happy to discuss it with you further outside of this context. Now, leadership in the kingdom is very different from the world, what the world models for us. I've kind of already expressed that. But it's really important for me to just touch down on this because I think husbands, in many cases, have completely missed this truth. And if I have, I said to my wife, I would want Matt to sit here. He's about to get married, okay? I want him to go, wow, I had no idea the responsibility. And to almost just pause for a moment, the weight of what this is about. Because Scripture does give us insight into what spiritual authority looks like. Do you guys remember when James and John, I just love it. I, I imagine their mother going at Jesus, wanting them to sit his left, his right. He might, I just, she's about this high, I figure. Maybe just as wide. I don't know. She's coming at him, and she's just a strong Jewish lady. And she's like, Jesus, those two boys over there, James and John, I want them to sit at your right hand. And of course, this is in front of the other disciples. I'm like, so they're indignant about this. This is the context. And so when the ten heard about this, they began became indignant with James and John. So Jesus called them together and said, Hey, you know those, re those regarded as rulers of Gentiles lorded over them, and their superiors exercise authority over them. But it shall not be this way amongst you. So there's a picture of the world, leadership, authority. It, shan't be, it will not be this way amongst you. And said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Clearly, husbands, you are called to serve your wife and your family. This is what authority looks like in the Scriptures. Serving. This is so contrary to the world. You would expect someone in authority to come over your house and serve you. No, they serve. It is clearly from the scripture, it is servanthood. I want to give one more example which with Jesus himself, a very familiar example here on what authority and leadership looks like and how it's expressed in the word of God. 
John 13, 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Familiar story to us. Jesus knew that he had, uh, sorry, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning, returning to God. So he got up from the meal and did what? What would you think Jesus, given all authority from God, affirming his authority, affirming his preeminence? Amazing. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured out water into a basin and began to wash his, the, the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel and wrapping them around him. Now, I, they tell us that the servant that washed the people's feet at the door was the lowest servant. He came to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter's in awe. Like, what, what are you doing? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing. But later you will understand. Incredible. He was setting a tone for them. Because this is, this is something of God. Husbands, you will not get this without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is anathema to the flesh. It is so foreign. Jesus is showing them what leadership looks like. As a husband, a husband is meant to have absolute humility with the attitude of a servant. Is that what you think a strong husband looks like? Is that your experience? It's going to move further into the passage. As Paul gives directives to the husbands. Husbands, yes. Love your wives. It's one of my favorite Greek tenses, present imperative. I often quote it because it means an action that continues. It's a continuous action. Paul is saying, love your wives and go on loving your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. The husband is called to love the wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We see Paul highlighting love as sacrifice. It's an incredible thing to contemplate as we break bread. What has Christ done for you? A man is called, a husband is called to that standard by God in the design of marriage. Why did Christ do this? It goes on in verse 26. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. Isn't that interesting? Because Peter will say, Lord, then if you've got to wash my feet, wash my whole body. And, and the Lord's like, I don't need to wash your body. He says, you're clean because the words have already spoken to you. The washing of the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Now, this is where it comes interesting. Because you think, well, marriage is just an earthly thing, and it's just between... 
you know, husbands and wives. It helps facilitate growth in children and bringing them up in a good standard with a good balance and being good citizens. All of those things are great. But Paul gives us a, a bit more insight into here, the spiritual significance of marriage. Verse 28. Husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. It gets a little abstract for me. You might not even like yourself, but uh, I'm just okay, my own body. Okay, love your wife as your own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever has hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it. Just as Christ also does the church, because we are parts of his body. So he's saying the husband and the wife is like Christ in the church. It's a picture. He we get the understanding here of, of the flesh and the oneness in verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So we see the intimacy of marriage in God's per perfect picture is, is a husband or a, a man and woman becoming husband and wife. And, and becoming one flesh. Obviously, he's talking about sexual intercourse that is meant for marriage and marriage alone. The intimacy of that picture is like the intimacy of Christ in his church. There's something mysterious that Paul's going to even speak this. The mystery is great of the intimacy of Christ and his people. Nevertheless, as for the individual, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself. And the wife must see that she respects her husband. Now you can start to begin to see why there's so much attack on marriage in the culture to break it down. Because it represents Christ in his church. It's an example given to us. Go, that's what, okay. Give some level of understanding of the commitment that Christ has to us as people, church. His desire for the intimacy, his, that we're one day going to be married to the bride. I mean, this stuff is so out there in a sense, but only the Spirit can make sense of it to us. So in light of the passage, it's actually very straightforward. To the wives, he says, you must choose to submit and respect your husband. And to the husband, you must choose servant leadership. Laying your life down. Putting your wife before yourself. However you, you see Jesus' response to, in the scripture to the church, that's what you're called to. To love your wife sacrificially. It says to nourish her, to cherish her. In, in, the, in the Greek, it's, it's actually tender love for her. Did you guys sign up for that when you got married? You just thought it was just a romantic thing you did. Yes, I'm, I'm, romance is a part of marriage, but there's a purpose in it. I'm just going to land this going to pray. I'd venture to say that if husbands love their wives with the love that Paul speaks of here, we would see very few women who struggle with submission. Very few. 
And I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's stretching it to go, if you truly thought your government loved you like this, you probably wouldn't have problems with your church. All aspects of your place where you're called to submit, if the one in authority actually lived in such a manner, I don't think we'd have a problem with submission. And that's where it, all the conflict comes of, of following the word of God and yet not seeing the ideal in the authority. And that's a whole nother conversation. Because obviously we're looking at the, the structure in the picture that Christ gives us of him and his church. But marriage is no small thing and should not be taken lightly. It should not be walked into on a whim. And you can see by the nature of these relationships that you're stepping into, particular for us as Christians as we get married before God. I'm not talking about living with, there's no commitment to live, just living with another person. It's not marriage, even though the world would call it common law. This is about God. This is, this is us married and God in the middle. There's purpose in it. There's function in it. But in the end, you must be very, 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 very careful who you marry. I, I cannot stress that enough. I mean, I'm not a controlling guy. All my kids know that. My wife knows that. But I tell my kids, you got to bring us in on the marriage thing because we know you and we can bring them by. Let's meet them. These, these things. Do not take a covenant before God lightly. And although there are provisions for divorce, very few in Scripture, it still says that God hates it. And I would never want to enter into anything that God hates lightly, although there are provisions. As I say, my, my, my mother left my father out of abuse, etc., and, and his neglect. There are places for it. But let's turn from that and look to what marriage can be, the vision that God has for it, this beautiful union and relationship between a husband and wife, together pursuing God, raising children, taking on the world, having peace in their home, having Christ at the center, living life and life abundantly, not just individually, but together. I look at my wife and go, how am I going to do this call? She looks at me and goes, yeah. I'm not trying to be a husband all of my own. I'm asking my wife to help me. Hey, you got to help me. I, I struggle. I look at this. It is so intimidating. How can one be so selfless? It's not like it's like I'm supposed to be like Daniel. I'm supposed to be like Moses. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to look, live like Jesus lives for the church. So I don't feel alone in this, although I feel very intimidated. But you can ask Lisa last night. I was like, man. Because I can understand submission. I do, because I'm called to submit. I can understand respect a lot better. But it's, it's a whole nother thing to live sacrificially. I can do it in instance, but to live in such a manner as Christ lives, to live in such humility, to live in such a way that you're esteeming and building up, not I but Christ, not I but my wife. Only God can help me. Only Christ can help me in this. Only Christ can help us in marriages. We want to shine in the midst of a perverse generation. And we want our marriages to shine. We want to live in peace with one another. We want to help each other with our giftings. As, 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 as I help Lisa in her gifting and she helps me in mine. As we pull together, we want to embrace the design that God has because he's the designer of it. It may look different. Each marriage here, we're different people. Thank God we're not a cult. 
But these, these things must be in place for us to flourish. Because the spiritual realm is all about authority. Ask, look, the Pharisees knew it every time Jesus did. By what authority do you say this? By what authority do you cast out demons? By what authority do you speak this? It's all about authority. And we must be under authority and submitted to authority to walk in authority. Let's just stand together, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that you would help us, Father, in this situation. With this passage and with the experiences that each, peop- each person has, I imagine there's a lot of pain in the room around this topic. There's a lot of weirdness, a lot of strange things that have happened, Lord, but we just want the pure word. We want to go your way. We will not reject the truth of Scripture because we've seen what humans do with it. We will trust you and your guidance and leading. I just pray that you would help us, Lord, wherever we're at with this, wherever the pain goes so deep and the hardness of heart is deep, I pray that you would lead us out of this. I pray that men would love their wives. Obviously, women should love their husbands too. I just pray for love in the home. I just pray against this fighting as the world wants us to fight men and women, black and white. All they want, there's such a house divided cannot stand. We just pray, God, for just united fronts in the homes. Help us, Lord. Where men are not leading, I pray that you convict them, God. Where there's weirdness in relationships, we call for your healing balm. We look for you to guide us and lead us out of this, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just open your heart. I know this is a topic most everyone in this room will have an opinion on, which is not always the case. Lord, I just pray, just as we're going to sing this next song, I just, Lord, that you would just minister. Holy Spirit, that you would minister. That you would lead us. Only if we know the truth, the truth alone sets free. And that's what we want. I pray if this has been a tough pill, I pray that you'd help swallowing. I pray it helps digestion. In Jesus' name.